What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Stallion, yesterday I was driving down the road and my driveway and there was a like two foot long like six inch across water moccasin sitting on our driveway. What? I get out of the car. I walk up to it just to make sure I knew what it was. I didn't get like within like five, six feet. And it just like opens its mouth, like shows it's like white cotton mouth, right? For people who are out in the South and don't know much about water moccasins, like they've got this cotton mouth. They also call them cotton mouth. Highly venomous, right? Well, here's the thing is that every single Wednesday, Ryan and I have a a thing on my calendar, go ride bikes with Ryan. And we normally, every single Wednesday, we'll get on our bikes from the top of my driveway. We'll drive all the way down as fast as we can around this curve. We're usually going about 20 to 30 miles an hour, depending on the day. And, and, and we're, you know, the road's super thin and we're having to like near, like kind of navigate really fast where the snake would have was Joey would have been at a point where we'd been going the absolute fastest with the least amount of time to see it and make any decision of what we were going to do. Sure. And these are aggressive snakes, right? Ryan or I would have passed by that snake or both of us. And this snake could have easily like struck and and got us. I tell that story for this reason is that today we're going to talk about failures. We're going to talk about things that, happened in our past in the investing world and there's lots of like issues and, and and things we're gonna bring up we're gonna you're gonna learn lessons we like break down three specific lessons that we learned and that you can take away but also we never know right like in that example yesterday gratefully we were not on a bike I was on a car and I was able to you know handle that situation a lot differently and and maybe you're gonna hear this podcast and you you you're in the car right you you were just listening to this episode, you weren't involved in any of the deals that we lost money in, and you're kind of like grateful, and you can kind of figure out what you're going to do to avoid them in the future. Maybe you're you're like some of us who might have been on the bicycle, and maybe the snake did attack, right? And 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 you've got to make uh, decisions quickly off of that. But either way, I just wanted to know that it isn't the end. This is the beginning. There's super. Uh, there's hope. Um, I hope you'll stay to the end to hear some of that hope. And I hope that you will take from this uh, lessons that you can avoid the same mistakes. Stallion, I give you a whole lot to say there, but hopefully um, you, you thought that was a good story. Well, I, I'm just grateful you did get bit. So good, good on you. All right. Let's get our chairs, uh, pull up to the tail and belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country 
to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so you can more easily understand them, and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. Is this your first time joining us? Welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. I'm Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because lack of follow guy just didn't sound so good to me. But enough about me for a moment. Let me introduce you to my co-host, my partner. He's Italian Stallion. He's got the license plate cover to prove it. Mr. Joey Murray. Stallion, good afternoon. Good afternoon, my friend. Always a pleasure to be here. Today, bro, we've got to be honest that we are, we're just not financial geniuses, are we? That is uh, affirmative. Um, and by the way, you say that in light of the fact that we're not normally honest. We are always honest, uh, but we're going to be pulling back the kimono today, as you as you will. Yeah, I, this is this is definitely maybe not a kid show, right? You may want to get the kids out of here. Joey uh, may have to turn off his camera if he's going to open up the kimono. But we are definitely going to reflect on some investment failures that we've had in the past and some in the not so distant past, right? That's right. Yep. Uh, this is in light of a, a very recent knowledge that um, one of the investments that we made in the last year uh, is an alleged fraud. And that's not really easy to say out loud because we feel like we know all the right things to ask, all the due diligence things that we should be doing. And the, the point is, sometimes we still miss things. Sometimes you still make mistakes in this game. And I feel like this is one of those things that we want to be transparent about and we want to be open with you about so that you can learn from our mistakes. Ultimately, this is the dumb tax and you can either choose to pay it along with us or you can allow us to pay it forward. And that's kind of the, the idea behind today's podcast. Yeah, here's the here's the part that really chaps me on this one, Stallion, is that I've paid this tax before, right? I, this isn't my first rodeo, as they would say in the South. That's right. I've experienced this deal before, and I knew, I stinking knew it. I knew it. I, I brought it up to you early on. I said, man, how do we know this deal isn't a Ponzi scheme? Right. Like we can't verify this part of it. Can't verify that part of it. And I still I still allowed. Other elements, which we're going to get into in a second, I'm not going to go into those right now, but other elements to to cloud my judgment. And so, well, one of my questions to you is, as you listen to this, has this ever happened to you before? Have you ever had an investment failure? that you look back on you're like man can't believe i missed x y or z components of this deal and do you need to be reminded maybe that's just what today's episode is for you is just a reminder i mean uh we actually had uh one of our passive income member mastermind members say that he made a a, a bad investment before and it had actually come full circle and they were paying him out like $4 a quarter or something silly. Like, and he said, 
it's so annoying that, man, I get reminded of this every quarter, you know, with this small amount of money that comes back to me. And Russ and I were like, no, no, what a gift that you have a constant reminder that, man, there is something you learned from that last investment failure and I don't need to do it again. And that's where um, today's episode hopefully will be one of those things that we'll return to and say, all right, these are the things we learned last time. Let's not do it again. Well, and, and because of that, that's why, I mean, selfishly, Stallion, I'm going to help us increase our downloads. I know we're over a million. I'm heading this toward 10 million. And I'm going to I'm going to put this podcast episode on repeat uh, every, you know, two to three months. I need to be reminded of the things that we're going to talk about today. But thankfully, it's not just you and I are going to be sharing our insights. We we have the dream team that we've asked to, to join us chime in a little bit. Thankfully, not all of them uh, have paid the same dumb taxes that we have. But they, you know, mostly probably made made some better decisions. They thought through things better than we did. And I want to have them chime in on maybe some of the things we need to think about. So to my left, I got Mr. Incredible. His superpower is speed to financial freedom. And the real beauty of that speed is it's contagious. My man, Mr. J.D. Hill. Say hello to your fans, J.D. Hey, fans. Hey, everybody's waving today. I like that. I like that. Not Ernie, though. Ernie's like, I ain't waving. (laughs) Hey, thank you, Ernie. Man, uh, this is this is tough. This is tough, guys. It's tough because I I know I know a lot of folks that lost a lot of money, uh, and it just man, it just breaks my heart because this is it's never easy, right? Like it's it's hard. So I'm 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 glad that we're talking about this. I'm glad that you guys are willing to have the courage to to discuss this uh, and talk about the failures, not just the good things. So so thank y'all for that. Well, I mean, in a different way, right? You had an experience last year that wasn't so rosy right it wasn't um necessarily a potential fraud it was just environment changed and it changed quickly on you and you you experienced some pain and frustrations and and you learned some lessons out of that so i'm hopeful that you will share some of those as we go through today yeah absolutely yeah that will yeah because <laughs> it, it led to not just you know business change and, and obviously losing money but it also led to relationship change right um and so certainly uh eager to to discuss that as well all right, cool. Well, thank you for for jumping on. Let me let me jump over to the uh, the financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem too difficult to solve. If I'd only known him earlier, I'd be so much richer. And if I probably would have asked him his opinion, I'd be so much richer. Mister Downtown Ernie Brown. I see Ern. Man, it is good to be seen and good to be with you guys. Just want to say, I only want to see you win, and um, I hate to see you lose. So. Appreciate your leadership and um, just the ways that you guys continue to share what's going on. A lot good, uh, but when things go bad, you share that. I'm grateful for that. Well, Ern, I mean, you you kind of took a kind of a watchful seat on this one and, and didn't 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 get invested. I, I'm hopeful that maybe there's a, a nugget or two of why um, some maybe something you saw or didn't see that that kept you from participating that you'll share today with us. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, just confession, I have, I had cash set aside for this same thing, <laughs> had a meeting set up in a couple of weeks to, to start talking about pursuing this. And, but um, I'm happy to share. Okay. All right. Well, last but not least, we got the piano man. We're all in the mood for passive income. You've got to see in the light, Mr. Matthew Hanneman. Welcome back, Matthew. 
Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, it's been a it's been a while. I've uh, been kind of on a hiatus on the on the podcast round, but it's it's good to be back. I wish the the topic of conversation was was chippier, but uh, but you know it is what it is. Uh, I will say I, I did pay a uh, dumb tax, <laughs> just like you guys. But I will say that uh, the one thing I have learned in these in these last few days is that you know it's just emphasized the importance of community. Uh, because, you know, you need that support system, you know, not only to congratulate you and cheer you on as you're succeeding, but also, you know, to console you and to help counsel you sometimes when you're when you're failing. And and I am happy to say that I do not have to change my nicknames. Uh, I did not. If you can see in the background, I did not have to pawn my piano. So uh, <laughs> so I do not have to change my nickname just yet. So I just wanted to reassure everybody. Yeah. You just may have to start playing that piano at a bar somewhere over there. You know, I know in downtown uh, where, where Clemson is at, uh, th- there's opportunity to make some money playing piano. So it's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> Uh, man, I'm sorry. I, I said last, but I, I completely whiffed on the king of Beham, man. Mr. Real Estate himself is joining us. He's agnostic to his type as long as it produces cash flow. The multi-talented Jamie O'Brien. Good to see you, Jamie. Man, good to be here, Russ. Enjoying another damn paradise, my friend. Uh, well, I, again, I know in real estate, it's not always rainbows and unicorns either. I know that you've taken a couple beats in that world. And there's probably some lessons that you'll be able to chime in today because today's topic, right, is really three reflections from investment failures. And while there's a recent one that Joey and I and Matthew have experienced and many people listening to this both live and recording have experienced or potentially experienced, we don't know yet, right? There's there's still lots of unknowns, but we're just going to assume that uh, what we know is true. But there's also failures from other investments. And so I want to bring this to the tribe, right? The way that we all grow is through knowledge of experiences and what we could have done, some of which I knew. There's a few things that I didn't, but I should have known. So, Joey, as as we break this down, I, I want to get it into three parts. First, trust but verify. I can't tell you how many times I've said that. Trust but verify. I actually wrote a stinking article on the two lessons I learned from a billion-dollar Ponzi scheme. I'm going to be able to write that new, potential new article on lessons I've learned on a you know much smaller Ponzi scheme, but still Ponzi scheme, and trust but verify is going to be one of those items in there. The second one, and this is, this is my father-in-law, right? I hear him in my ear all the time, such a wise man, but one of the things he says is liars figure and figures lie. And I think we need to know kind of sometimes the numbers, the, the math on things, get us so excited for one reason or another, and that can take us into directions. And then the last one, the three keys to real estate, Mr. Jamie O'Brien, are location, location, location. Well, in investment syndications, it's operator, operator, operator. And it's so important to know the operator, not just the syndicator, but the operator. And in a recent example, and the one I had before, I didn't know the operator in either one of them. So I think it's so important. All right, Joey, trust but verify. You've been reading a book on trust, which I don't know if that, if we need to have a sidebar conversation or something like, you know, is there a reason that that, that you're about reading that? Like, is there something you're, that, you're trying to that, tell right? me? 
But <laughs> there are some lessons that this book was giving you that I think applies here. Would you mind sharing a couple? Yeah, so uh, the book is actually called Trust, and it is by Henry Cloud. Uh, I knew him primarily more as a counseling kind of um, bent or or focus in terms of his teaching. Uh, but this is actually a book that it kind of covers both the inner interpersonal relationships as well as business. And man, a lot of his analogies in the book are around business and boards and, and things of that nature where trust is so critical. And um, yeah, I, the the five essentials of trust he points out in the book are understanding, motive, ability, character, and track record. And I'm not going to go into all of those, but um, the, the couple things that kind of jumped out at me in this book as we've been going through this um, like all the unknowns surrounding this investment failure is the right person to invest with is not always the same person who is a great friend or some other sort of relationship to you. And I think that's very easy to skew because you get into a relationship or you have some level of trust with somebody in one capacity of life and it doesn't always transfer to whatever that new relationship is. And in this case, I, I had uh, a friendship and a knowledge of somebody in one capacity, but I had been, and I just immediately just transferred that to an investment and entrusting that person in that regard. And, and I don't believe that that person did anything malicious by any means. But I didn't go deep enough into their ability to underwrite the deal as an investor versus just my, my previous context. So that's that's one piece of this that I want to point out. The second thing is around track record. And in this particular investment, I didn't take enough depth in terms of the operator's track record because the person I knew was not the operator. And so right there is an immediate failure on my part. And the second thing was the investment itself was very new within the within a three-year time frame. And it did not have a very long track record. And it, it should have it should have driven me to go very, very deep on that particular investment to I'm not saying just because it didn't have a 20 year track record that it's not investable, but it should have driven me to do a much deeper due diligence on the actual investment. What was holding up the actual return of my capital? And I failed to do that. And so anyways, those are a couple of things that I, I pulled from the book and applied to the situation. In the trust but verify space, right? Like one of the things you said is that we can be trusting and sometimes overly trusting. And I think maybe the verifying part comes down to either we don't want to do it because we're lazy, we don't want to do it because we don't know how to do it, or maybe we we just trust the person telling us so much that we don't want to hurt feelings, right? By asking maybe tough questions. Yep. There's things that we can do though. Right. In the first deal that I experienced that went bad way back when, like seven, eight years ago, there was an investment in the it was in the bridge loan space where people were supposedly doing, you know, 
uh, value add projects and they were going and getting bridge loan financing and you know the the lenders which was uh, us as on the deal were going to be put on you know deed and title or whatever the appropriate language is basically be lien holders against that property and one of the things i could have done but i didn't is i could have went and verified that that actually happened right that i had been collateralized that i was not a unsecured creditor in a deal so if it went bad I would at least have my name on the asset. I would be as the debt holder on the deal, the first one paid out. Exactly. Right. And turns out that a lot of things were not as they seemed. But one of the big issues that ended up happening is that we were not actually ever filed in that lien holder position. So we were not first in line to get access to the money. We were unsecured creditors. And, and that was a big issue. This most recent deal that, that again, looks to be um, having issues in it. I'm going to avoid talking about specifics yet because we don't know what we don't know. But one of the things was there was a um, this technology, supposedly, that had been patented and had trademarks. Well, one of the things I, I thought about immediately is, did we ever go, Stallion, and look up on the internet the patent like can you can you share the patent number with me and then i can go <laughs> verify that i mean there, there's a literally a google search in about 30 seconds with the patent number you can see is it legit and you could verify and go okay that at least exists right and we're being told that there is no patent on this technology and it's like well would that have not thrown a red flag to us and like we would have been yeah you, you would have seen that like didn't exist well well, that been an issue. Like that's a little simple thing, but a very important thing that I could have done. And then lastly is just go see it or have someone who has seen it show me that they've seen it. Right. In the and example potentially a disinterested third party. Right. Right. Well, in the, the first example I dealt with where there was bridge loans against um against investment properties, turns out that some of those supposedly investment properties were made up. They didn't even exist. They were buying other properties that were not associated with it. So it had the had I gone and had somebody actually show us the property, right? Show us what the value was, show us what was paid for it, showed what was lend against it, because supposedly we were lending against 60%. Turns out we, in most situations, were lending against 100% plus any of the fees and stuff to close on the deal. That would have showed up, right? I could have done that research. I know somebody who used to be in the mortgage world. He could have showed me how to do that research, right? It, you you can't turn around and not find and hit hit a friend who's a real estate agent, you know, with a rock, and and they could have showed you how to do that, right? So those are some things that I think just in the trust but verify space that would have really really helped me. Well, and the 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 takeaway there is apply this to your own deals. It doesn't have to be a bridge loan scenario or this technology space that we're talking about. It has to, it's determined from the deal. What are the items that I can discern from a public records perspective? And what are the deal? What are the things that I can discern from a physical um, analysis? I mean, just, just for instance, you're, let's say you're looking at investing in an apartment complex deal. 
And the business plan says that there is no initial renovation necessary. Like this is a, a an A-class property and blah, blah, blah. And if you don't have some initial third party that can uh, verify what actual status that property is in, you absolutely cannot just go off of a, a, a brochure, right? That This is the step that very few people do, but you will always wish you had done. The trust but verify step is taking what someone's told you and going and figuring out what's public record and what is physical in nature that I can verify with either my own two eyes or a disinterested third party. You can send an appraiser or an inspector of some sort to take some physical pictures of the the asset and give those to you just to make sure like that that makes all the sense in the world and unfortunately we failed to do that in several pieces on this in particular this in particular investment trusting them is as we go into this trust but verify like there's just there's this aspect of wanting to hand things off to quote unquote experts to do right and trusting that they're going to do those things and by the way, I, I want to hold people to a high standard. I do think people should do the right thing. I do believe people should go at the highest level. I hold myself to that standard. And but the problem is, is that I also know that I'm the only one that cares about my money. And so I also have to hold myself responsible for the mistakes I made by by trusting and not verifying. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the passive income operating system, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income it makes all the steps come together if you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener we've never given this away in public before go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash p-i-o-s there was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher's saying pop quiz day why because you were unprepared are you unprepared though for financial freedom don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. Let's, let's go into the second point, which is liars figure and figures lie. Now, I, I, I know this from the past, that sometimes we allow the math to, to cloud our judgment, right? And the math needs to make sense. The first experience I had, Joey, in this is that we were dealing with bridge loan debt, supposedly lending against 60% property, right? With right. an equity group on, on top of us saying, anytime there's a default, we're going to take over your debt. We're, because we're, they had like a small uh, percentage in the deal. And it was like, you guys are going to lend, you're going to get paid back 7 8%. Now, I know you guys are laughing in today's world. That's like a good savings account these days. But just go back seven years ago, right? 7% was as good as Dave Ramsey's growth stock mutual fund on any day of the week. And and it was, I mean, it was, it was risk-free. I mean, it, it was like, like you couldn't lose money. You were lending against 60% 
of actual real estate and you had another group that came in that said, if there's a default, we're going to take over it. It's like, okay, well, we all know that a risk-free investment, one, there's very little things if there is a risk-free investment, it, it wasn't going to be paying twice or three times or four times what the market is for that. That should have been a red flag for me. But it was like, oh, it's so good. But what about this last deal, Joey? We were looking at 10% a quarter. We have so many friends in, in the syndication space, and they they constantly remind me that they do not have to give more than 7 to 8% preferred return to any investor and give them some upside on, on the exit that maybe gets them into that 12 to 15% range on the good deals. They never, ever, ever, ever have to give more than that. But yet, somehow, I allowed this one investment, the unicorn of all investments. I used to thought 100 unicorns was the bad one. Now, I, I went chasing unicorns here with the idea of 40% returns. It when just numbers, it makes sense. Yeah, when, when numbers are too good, you got to be skeptical, in my opinion. 100%. Now, I, I will say this, to our credit, we actually had some accountants. We actually had some tax attorneys and some people that we put in high regard to review the investment, and they did not have anything negative to say about it. So there is, even to, to a certain stand, like even though the numbers didn't sound right to us, we were like, well, these people that we trust have given us some direction. They, they don't have any question about it. So maybe we're just overthinking it. But the, the key to me in terms of the figures is the tax piece, right? If you're going to invest in, in an investment, you must know and understand and agree with or, or follow the investment itself do not allow the tax benefits of that investment to dictate if you invest in it or not. And in this case, I, at least, I got blinded to the fact that I got a tax problem. So how can I invest in something that will get rid of that tax problem and provide passive income on top? That is just like, as you said, the unicorn deal. And, but I allowed the tax piece to be, they say, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. In this case, that dog spun around three times and fell down. Okay. And the bottom line is that it was a two times multiple of my tax or whatever I put in, it was two times that in a deduction. And that really just, it blinded me. It gave me this opportunity to say, what else could I do that could be that good? And I didn't even think uh, through the actual investment itself is not something I would have normally invested in. So that's that's a lie that I should have been able to, to figure out on the front end. The third point is know thy operator, right? Both deals, Joey, that I got into that turned out to go really, really bad, I didn't know the operator, right? I knew the syndicator, but I didn't know the operator. And so my trust level we were talking about before was with one person 
And whether they were trustworthy or not doesn't matter if the person operating the project is not trustworthy. And I think when I look at that, I, I think, man, we spent all the time with the wrong people, right? Yeah. We should have spent way more time investigating the people doing the deal and understanding what their background is, who they were, right? And having those conversations. Because, you know, I'm one of those, I just go by my gut, you know, just my gut says this. Now, my gut actually told me not to do it from the very beginning, and that's why we didn't do it from the very beginning. But then my gut changed, right? Um, I, I had a different reaction. And it was because I got more familiar, more comfortable with the person who was the syndicator. And I, I got to see all of these like positives. I got to see all of the things that that made it make sense to me. But what it didn't do for me, it didn't help me see the actual person running the project. Who is the one making the deals? Who is the one actually receiving the money? How do I know if they're good with money, right? Even if the deal was was actually a legitimate deal, what if they were bad with money? I didn't have any insight to how they had done before on projects. To your point earlier, you said this was a very new project, but it wasn't, they, they had done, they'd done other things, right, in this space. Well, how had they performed in those spaces? How did I know how well they were going to do? What track record was I using? I think that there was a big issue for me that I'm just looking back and going, man, I really need to know great operators for so many reasons, right? I mean, in our short-term rental business, how how amazing was it that we could find an operator to run the business and be successful in it? Oh, it's the only chance we have. <laughs> how, how about with our land flipping business? When you and I started to try to do the land flipping business and one of our teammates were trying to help us with it, who had never operated a business before, it didn't work out very well. But then we partnered with an amazing operator and it's working perfectly, right? So That's right. the operator is so important and it's the thing that we did not understand and it came back to bite us. Well, and I want to make a, an analogy or a correlation to something here. We've said this before. Why is it that investing in a mutual fund is not a good idea? It's because how close or how far are you away from the actual investment? Think about that for a second. In a mutual fund, you have all these layers from the actual company producing the stock their leadership team, their board, all these these layers down, 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 all the way to the mutual fund uh, manager, down to the person who sold you the mutual fund. And perhaps it's even within a 401k and one layer before that. Like there's all these layers. Is it any shock that you're the last person to get paid in that deal? Right? Is it any shock that you're the last person to find out that the deal's gone south? And what did we do in this particular deal? To your point, Russ, we were we were far enough away from the actual deal, what was actually happening. I'm not surprised now looking back on it. I'm like, why didn't I pick up on that, right? I should have been much closer to the deal that I could have understood what was going on, 
What did Nelson say? If you know what's going on, you'll know what to do. I mean, there's so much wisdom that we know and we just didn't apply in this case. I'm going back to the Henry Cloud book on trust. Who is the who that we're actually trusting? The syndicator is not the person that is deserves the trust or not. It's the actual operator, to your point. What is their character like? What is their motive like? What is their personal track record? And to your point, the investments track record, the things I mentioned before, all of those things are now, I will tell you this, the good news is going to come from this, is a ridiculously robust due diligence checklist that I will apply to both the deal and the operator going forward. Like if those two things can't be checked off um, at, at the depth that we're going to build this, there is no deal. I don't care how good it sounds. And man, just I, I'm hopeful that this is being something that you're picking up from us that, man, there's a lot more that it takes to become a better investor. And it's not something that should be gone into lightly. And that's also, as Matthew said earlier, the value of a group, right? The value of people who are around you that can say, this is how I see the deal. This is when I did my due diligence, I did this, this, and this. And then you can add or take away from that person's due diligence as well. So anyways, that's just my thoughts on knowing the operator. Uh, all right, coaches, I want to get final thoughts from you. Uh, Joey and I kind of took over this and didn't give you a, a good opportunity, but uh, Earn, if you would like to go first. Sure. Thank you. Well, I, I just want to props. I mean, this, that's awesome. You guys, I mean, no, none of us is perfect. I watched you guys due diligence process. It's not that you didn't put in effort, but the thing that I'm hearing, Joey, I, I particularly like your point about investing in mutual funds is there are things you can invest in outside of Wall Street. <laughs> you don't have to invest only inside of Wall Street. And then once you get outside of Wall Street, even then you don't have to invest in things that you don't understand. There's there's an abundance of opportunities out there. You just need to be around them and invest in the things that you can get uh, super deep into, understanding that you care about that are good alignment with your giftings and abilities. And if you do that, I think you'll hit, you'll consistently hit more singles. You don't have to go out there and just swing for home runs and grand slams. My final, mm -hmm. final thought. Jamie. No, I, I love that, Ernie. And, and so I've talked to a lot of people about this deal. Um, I had not invested in it yet myself. However, it, it was very sexy, right? And, and so just thinking back about losses throughout my investing career, every time I've lost, I've allowed myself to be emotional about that deal. To Joey's point, don't let the tax tail wag the dog. Don't let the shiny returns wag the dog either, you know? And so uh, that's something that I challenge myself with every day is we have to remove the uh, the emotion from our decisions we have to run our investments like a business it is a business and it's a business for our future and uh so that's just my final thought on uh challenging myself to to try and remain as emotionless about our investments as possible um and more factual based so thank you guys for sharing i, I think this is amazing and um you know i just I, I hate it hopefully it doesn't turn out to be what it looks like all right matthew final thought 
Yeah, Jamie kind of stole some of my thunder there, so I have to come up with something else to talk about because he he nailed it. But uh, but yeah, just just kind of you know saying what Jamie said, you know, don't let don't let the for me personally, you know, this particular deal was so attractive to me because of the tax benefits, and you know, I, I allowed myself to let the tax tail well wag the dog, and and so uh, you know, it's it's a tough lesson. Um, yeah, I'll be able to claim uh, deductions, but not in the way that I was hoping. So it's uh. It was a tough lesson, but, uh, you know, it's, again, I go back to my original point that, you know, just being part of a community and and having that support system, um, you know, through the wins and the losses and everything in between, um, it's it's so important uh, because I, I got to say, I mean, if, if I were on my own with this, not that I want to see anybody else, you know, fail by any means, but if I were on my own with this loss, uh, without somebody to lean on, without somebody to counsel with, um you know, I, I don't, I don't know how I would have handled it, but I, I feel like, you know, I'm down, but I'm not out. So it's, uh, it's definitely a big learning experience. And I am, um, you know, I'm just, uh, my wife and I, we're just moving forward and we're going to, I mean, we'll be, we'll be back in no time. So it's not, it's not like it's a major, like I said, I'm not pawning my piano just yet. So (laughs) (laughs) JD, Uh, a really, really, really good friend of mine, uh, shared a quote the other day that said, you don't drown from falling in the water only from staying there. Uh, so thank you for sharing that Russ. Um, I think, I think not everything is going to be a winner, but you get to choose what happens next, right? Mm -hmm. You get to choose where you go from here. And, um, when I'm dealing with things that are outside of my control, which candidly is everything, as much as I want to try to be in control, everything is ultimately outside of my control. Um, the place that I always go to first is, is the Bible because it's, it's where ultimate peace comes from. Um, and I, I shared this before on another podcast. And I'll just share it again. John 16, 33, uh, Jesus specifically tells you, uh, he says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. And he says in this world, you will have trouble. So Jesus literally tells you, you are going to have trouble in this world. And he says, but take heart for I have overcome the world. And I just want to encourage everyone that, that has been involved in this or that knows folks that have been involved in this and just encourage you uh, in that. Um, and you get to choose what happens next. And I'm thankful that you would share that. And I want to take it one step further because some of the sidebar conversations I've had with people that have also invested in loss in this, uh, potentially lost in this, let's just leave it at that for right now. And, you know, the only hope that I have is that I'm a steward of someone else's resources. Mm. And a steward is not called to perfection. They're just called to do the very best that they possibly can with that person's resources. And so there's two truths in that. One, I'm a steward uh, of all that God's given me. And that includes way more than just money. That's time. That's, that's a reason that we want to share our failures with you because it is also, this is now a resource that Russ and I, and anybody else who's done this also has to give to the world because our hope is that you never have to pay this dumb tax like we did. And if we kept it to ourselves, it's a high likelihood you would do it on your own. Um, so one, I'm a steward of all these things. And number two, my good father is all knowing. And if he didn't want me to invest in this, it would have never happened. Right. There is to your point, JD, I control nothing. 
I am doing the very best I can with what I have, but ultimately my days have been numbered ahead of me. And he has provided uh, this opportunity for some reason I don't fully understand today. Um, but I can rest in the fact that if he didn't want me to do this, it would have never happened. And that allows me to move forward with confidence and not to put my identity in the fact that I've just potentially lost money here. And uh, so anyways, for, for whatever that may be worth to you, I just want to encourage you that, um, that yeah, this is, this is what you're called to do. And um, we're going to be better investors as a result. That's my hope. And that's my prayer for anybody that's involved. Coaches, Stallion, really appreciate this. I know that there's people out there that have experienced financial loss, maybe something similar to what we're dealing with, maybe um, something different, but also at the same time, these things happen, right? And it's the lessons that we learn from this. And it's how we move forward from this point, as you've all said so uh, so well. We hope that you found value here. One, we, we come to you to share these informations with you. We always say that financial advice is garbage and should be treated as such. It comes from the experience and the opinions of the person given it. And we should be the one out there in charge of our own financial um, journey and, and not abdicating it to someone else. And this lesson is definitely one that just reminds me of that. It's going to make me the, be that much more hands-on in the beginning of things and, and involved in things because passive doesn't mean uninvolved. And just want to remind you that passive income doesn't mean just hand it off to somebody else. It means we need to be involved on the front end and then we delegate, but we always check in to make sure the things that we thought were going to happen or actually happen. Trust, but verify. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.